I invite you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61 this morning, and there are sermon notes with uh, the worship folders, and so we invite you to participate with those if you would like. Um, I have a, a, I say a guilty pleasure as a man, Um, there's a chick flick that I enjoy. I know, I know, ooh. (laughs) Whenever it comes on the TV, Kim knows it's stopping there. It's, it's the movie You've Got Mail. It's old uh, Tom Hanks uh, movie. And in the scene, the, the big bad wolf, I mean Fox Bookstore is wolf. <laughs> big bad Fox Bookstore has come in. It's, it's opened up. And the, this little uh, children's bookstore is noticing the effects of, of this chain store that has now invaded their neighborhood. And the owner of the business comes in, and she's talking to her business manager, and they're talking about how much less they've done this, this month in sales compared to the normal. And she takes this information in, and her response is, well... I'm just going to hang up more twinkle lights. And as I think of that scene, I think of this time of year that we celebrate joy. And joy this time of year is often more translated of an understanding of holly jolly Christmas. And we, we think about all the upbeat songs and lights and tinsel on every available surface and glitter that's put in different things. And can we just say glitter needs to be banned? Um, I'm sorry. It's messy, yes. It gets everywhere. But this, this glimmer and shine of everything that is around us, all the decor and and attitudes of that is, is often a distraction from the harsh realities. That this time of year, not everybody's holly and jolly. That there are some that struggle because the lights aren't bright enough to hide the grief that they're dealing with. That there's people that are dealing with the darkness of poverty, or the loneliness of heartache in their life as well. There isn't enough tinsel to cover up where they are in their life right now. And some might even walk into the church and they see the candles and they see this pink candle that represents joy this morning. They just kind of roll their eyes and say, I just can't understand that right now that I just don't get it. It, it's, it seems like an unattainable state for me right now. And I don't want to dismiss this reality that many are facing some issues in their life. And, and these are fair thoughts, even on a day like today, and especially with the, the passage that we have before us today. In Isaiah 61, much like two weeks ago in, in chapter 64 that we were in, the, the people of God are lost 
as they've returned to Jerusalem. They, they are feeling hopeless and despair as they look upon what they knew to be this immense city that they've talked about for years and decades and decades, and, and the stories that have been passed down of, of how prominent this place was, and now they stand amidst the rubble of the walls and, and the burned places of their homes, and they're grief-stricken at all that they have lost. And not only are they living in the midst of this hopeless situation, now they're wondering where their peace went. But they're also wondering if they'll ever experience joy again. And yet it's into this world of pain, it's into this world of sorrow and heartache that the prophet Isaiah speaks these words, not just of hope, not just of peace, but of joy, real, deep, unwordable joy. That there's good news for all of us this morning. That the pain and sorrow that we may feel now can and will be replaced with unspeakable joy. At some, at some context of where Isaiah is at this point and, and as he's coming, we need to understand that he brings with us and with him an understanding of four primary economic codes for the people of God. The first one is, is one we talk about. Uh, it's tithing. It's an understanding of 10% of everything that's made, raised, or grown goes to back to God for the care of the priests and the poor. The second one is an understanding of Sabbath. Uh, again, every uh, seven days is a day of rest and a worship to give back to God um, all that He's given us. And then on top of that, every seventh year is rest for the land and for the animals. The third economic understanding is one of gleaning. As you worked your harvest, as you worked the field, you left the edges. You didn't harvest those because those were for the poor, the refugee, or the traveler to pick from. And then the fourth is the year of Jubilee. After seven cycles of Sabbath years, so basically in the, in the 50th year, it was to be set aside as a year of jubilee in which the purpose of this year was to reset everything. The entire economic system is reset. All debt is forgiven. Land is returned. And the prisoners set free. The interesting thing is while the Bible records the very stringent practice of the first three by the people of God, there isn't any recorded proof of the fourth, the year of Jubilee, the, the year of our Lord's favor ever being practiced. Imagine what it would be, though, to experience this year of Jubilee. I mean, all debt forgiven. 
You no longer have this knot in your stomach that the, the person you owe, when you see them, you're going you're gonna to kind of have to hide away or do those things. It means the ability now to invest what you would have been trying to pay them back into opportunities and follow new passions. Not only that, if, if you had been in debt and you had to sell your family's land to make ends meet, that land is now returned to the family. It is returned to you. And, and you now have the ability to, and security to, to uh, work cattle and grow food in your crops. But you'll also be released from prison. Back then, one of the most common reasons to be imprisoned was debt. If you couldn't pay the debt, the person that you owed had the right to put you in jail. And so debtors now not only had debt forgiveness, but they were released and true freedom was granted back to them. A year of Jubilee meant a year of grace, a year of hope and a tremendous joy for everyone. And so when we look at this passage in Isaiah 61, and, and it's, it's the one that Jesus reads to begin His ministry, we, we know that the people of God are looking upon their current situation, they see despair, and yet we see a God that wants to use, use it not as an end, to these people, but as a jumping off part, a new start, a new beginning of hope. And, and so this hopelessness of this lost city, the trampled gardens, the burned homes, they, they see that, and yet there is good news that God is going to transform it all into joy. The ashes of this place are going to be fertile ground in which new life is born. The crown will replace the ash. And this is a place of starting over. It's a new level playing field that will give them the opportunity to experience and truly become the people of God that He has called them to be. And since they're no longer bound by their past, their sin and their mistakes of their past can now be left behind. And they can experience uh, not the rubble of their life, but new found starts, new found life, new found joy, new found freedom. And it's crucial for us to understand that the children of God are called to participate in this joyful renewal that God is enacting in the world. That even though God is ultimately the one who brings about the healing, the hope, and the joy, it's clear that humanity is invited to participate. And so we see in verse 3 of this passage that Isaiah talks about this righteousness which implies that they're going to participate in right action of God. That they're called to be living out God's justice in the world, not just later on, but now. 
that we live into that hope. We live into that peace. We live into this joy, not because there isn't rubble around us, but because God has called us to more. And it says in verse 4, it says they will rebuild. They will renew. The people of God are actively joining God's work of restoration because the people of God are called to do the work. In verse 8, it talks about how God hates injustice and wrongdoing. And the implication is that we, the people of God, will act in ways that are just and that we'll receive a reward from God. And one of the ways we see this justice and righteousness being enacted in the world is, is that what we see God going to bring about this year of Jubilee, which will include good news for the poor. It will bind up the brokenhearted. It will re, re, give freedom from captivity. It, it's release from the darkness. And it's comfort for those who are in the process of mourning. They're all active ways that God is going to usher in jubilee, joy, unspeakable joy. That we can't miss the point, though, that God has called us. And, and not only did He call people then, He continues to call us to act in, in partnership with Him in our world around us. The work of jubilee is a cooperation between God and the people of God. We've been talking about this all year. From Romans and from Nehemiah and all the different passages that, that the holiness that we are called to express isn't just an attitude of, well, I'm holier than thou. No, the holiness that we are invited to participate isn't of ourselves, it's of God. And it is enacted and lived out and expressed in the ways that we go about life. That the people of God would work with God to bring about the kingdom of God here on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, joy is ultimately not about circumstances, but it's about the hope of what God is going to do. It's the, it's the fruit of God and the people of God working together in the world. And I've said this before, we don't know for sure whether Israel ever observed the year of Jubilee. You would think if, if it had happened, uh, it would be written somewhere. It's definitely in play throughout in the way they, they take on debt and sell land and doing all that process. It's, it's written there, but... But we never know whether or not they followed it. But whether they did or not, their calling to celebrate the year of Jubilee is always before them. It didn't change. Regardless of Israel's faithfulness or their lack thereof, God remains faithful. He remains good. And despite the disobedience of the people, God will issue in a time of Jubilee. There will be the year of our Lord. 
And the land may be destroyed, but yet God is at work to transform hardship into beauty. It doesn't negate the hardship that they face, but it does redeem it into something that's beautiful. It doesn't mean that God caused it, but that God is able to take even the worst situations and bring about something good. And as resurrection people that we are called to be, and I, and I don't, if you've been with me through this, this reading plan, we're on our fourth reading of the New Testament. If you haven't got and, and caught it yet, that the second coming, the reality of the second coming, the hope of the second coming, the joy of the second coming is constantly at play in every aspect of our lives if we are people of God. And so God is doing a thing. And we believe that God will ultimately take care of the worst parts of life, even conquering death, and He will transform it into a new life. That God is good despite the circumstances. And the text talks about God's faithfulness in spite of of this unfaithfulness of God's people. And in spite of them putting themselves in such a dire position, God is still at work in bringing about the good. And that reality will never change. Working together with God brings about good news that we get to share with everybody. And it brings about good news for the poor, good news for those that have, are mourning, good news for those that are, are facing issues that don't seem so joyous at the moment. And we see examples of the way that working uh, for justice and righteousness brings about joy in the world in very real ways. Think about when a family is freed from cycles of abuse. We see joy. When hungry people are fed, we see joy. When, we, when those who mourn know that they're not alone in their grief, There is joy. As the children of God, we are called to be joy bringers in this world. We join in the mission of God in the world and we share hope and joy with that world that is often hopeless and filled with despair. The hopeless seeming situations are not hopeless for the people of God. Despair can and will turn to joy. And please know this, even in the midst, God is at work. In the midst of our pain, God is at work. Even in the midst of our sin, we're not abandoned. In the world that we, seeks to cover up the pain and, with tinsel and, and lights, God wants to transform into this pain into glory. And God seeks to have life grow from those very ashes. So during this Advent season, we acknowledge that Christ came into the world in this manger, but it didn't end there. That through his life, his sinless life, and his sacrifice on the cross, that it didn't end there. He was raised from the grave. 
He has returned to heaven, and he is coming back. That's what we acknowledge when we celebrate Advent. That we prepare our hearts, not just for the day of Christmas, but that we prepare our hearts for the second coming of Christ. That we know of the year of the Lord came with Jesus and is coming in fulfillment when He returns. And we can have joy in that. Joy that can't be taken away. That we can look for the places that God is already at work and we can see the ashes turning into the beauty of new growth. But this work of joy in the world is not one we simply watch and we wait for. It's one in which we participate in. Just like the call of Jubilee remained for the Israelites, so too our calling to join the mission of God in this world remains. And we have the opportunity to be present with those who mourn. We have the opportunity to bring light into the darkness, to to do the work of justice in this world, to live in righteous ways that others might also see and know the true meaning of joy that is only found in God. This is good news today. There is unspeakable joy despite our circumstances. But it's also good news for our world. So may we go into the world as bearers of God's joy. As rebuilders who take care of our world, that we might share the good news of great joy that is for all people today. For all people tomorrow. And even in the midst of dark days that may come, we can have true joy because God is still on his throne. May we pray. Heavenly Father, we celebrate you today. We celebrate the fact that you came. Emmanuel, God with us. We celebrate the hope of your coming. We celebrate the peace that you issue into our lives and they're called us to holy living. We celebrate the joy that we can have even in times of, of struggle because your joy isn't based on the circumstance that we may find ourselves in. Help us to be bearers, issuers, bringers of joy into our life, into the lives of those around us, into this community in Baker City and the surrounding areas as we interact with those that may struggle this time of year for they've lost loved ones in the past year. Maybe they face other situations that are going on and they, and they just can't bear the weight. May we understand that our calling is to point to the hope, to the peace, the joy and love that only You can truly give. That we might share that joy, that good news. Joy to the world. For the Lord 
has come. In your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a great week.